For those of you that are guests tonight, this series has been really experimental. I don't know that I've ever tried to do a series where you cram into roughly 30 minutes or less, like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten chapters. It might be the definition of insanity, but, but it also is giving us a little bit of a different perspective of, of looking at chunks of Scripture and main ideas that come through these sections as God deals with different people. So we've been looking at the lives of different people in the Old Testament, people of the promise, people that are trusting in God, and the kinds of ways that God used them, the kinds of things that they learned as God led them along the way. And we learned last week that Moses' life story is more about God's work than his own work. And quite frankly, that's really the case for all of us that are believers. As much as God does in our lives, as much of the kind of things that we get to do, ultimately, it's a story about Him. It's a story about how He's using us, made in His image, redeemed by Christ, to be what He's designed us to be. And last week, we looked at the first part of Moses' life in a message called Rescued to Lead. We saw that Moses was drawn out. I mean, he should have never made it from out of infancy. He was marked for death. He was supposed to die. Remember, he is put in that basket after he got to be a certain age and uh, hidden among the reeds. And lo and behold, Pharaoh's daughter, the very Pharaoh that had decreed that all these baby boys should die, Pharaoh's daughter, the one person that had him wrapped around her little finger probably, she rescued Moses and reared him as her own son. He was drawn out, and then he was called out. God called to him out of the burning bush when he had run away into the desert to hide out from Pharaoh later after identifying with the people of God and killing an Egyptian that was, that was mistreating one of the Israelites. God called him out and sent him right back into uh, the teeth of this, this wicked place. He is supposed to go back to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. I mean, and you talk about, I mean, here's a guy, I mean, he's essentially, he's been chilling in, in the desert. I know it was, it was not that easy. You know, he's herding sheep and he's working hard and all of that. But uh, after growing up in the court of Egypt, he's now been on the backside of the desert hiding out. And now God says, okay, go back to where the people want to kill you. Now, this doesn't sound like a good life plan. It just doesn't sound like, you know, like, this is what I want to do. I want to go where people want to kill me. But God said, when you go, I'm going to empower you. So he called, he drew him out, he called him out, and then he empowered him for the job he gave him to do. So at the end of nearly 40 years as a fugitive in the wilderness, God sent Moses back to Egypt to free the Israelites from slavery. Pharaoh, though, the king of Egypt, stood in his way. And what followed was a battle of wills. Pharaoh believed that he himself was a god and declared that he didn't know Yahweh. He didn't know the Lord, and he didn't quite care to know him. But God got out his sledgehammer and began to teach Pharaoh and the Egyptians what it's like to fight against the true and living God. So we're going to look at three themes 
in this section of Moses' life. And we're just looking at that contest of wills between God and Pharaoh, Moses, the servant of God, communicating to Pharaoh. We're going to see Pharaoh in his hardened heart. We're going to see Moses in his courageous obedience, because it's only because of his trust in God that he would even try to do this. But he keeps obeying God. And then finally, we're going to see Yahweh in his display of infinite power. If you look at these things, you know, we live in a world that while we've got different kinds of callings, we live in a world where there's lots of people. We're all sinners by birth and by choice. We have hardened hearts, unwilling to obey God, and that makes life difficult even for those that are trying to serve the Lord, and it calls for courageous obedience. And what gives us courage is that we are serving a God with infinite power. So let's do this run through and just remind ourselves of this story. Let's talk about Pharaoh's hardened heart. And there's some things uh, about his hardened heart that may surprise us, but also teach us about the level of power that God actually has. In Exodus 4, 21 to 23, the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I put in your power. Remember, he empowered him. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. So God has so much power, he's actually got the power over people's hearts. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel's my firstborn son. I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. So right at the beginning, before Moses even talks to Pharaoh in the first place, God tells Moses what's going to happen. Don't, don't be frustrated when Pharaoh hardens his heart, because that's what he's going to do. In fact, we're going to see that while Pharaoh hardens his own heart, God also hardens his heart, and God hardens his heart in multiple kinds of ways. And ultimately, God is going to win. And if he, in Exodus 5, we read afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? Who is Yahweh that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. And moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, the God of Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make their bricks. As in the past, let them go and gather straw from themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. They shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us, offer, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So it's like, you know, Moses is doing what God's telling him to do. Pharaoh's resisting, and it goes from bad to worse. You know, sometimes we think that, and we're going to see Moses' obedience here, but sometimes we think that, you know, if I will do the right thing, 
If I will do what God is leading me to do, if I will obey the Scriptures, when I go up against those who aren't obeying the Scriptures and don't recognize the Lord, you know, if I'm doing the right thing, then it's just going to get better. Well, a lot of times it gets worse. And that's what happened when Moses met Pharaoh. Pharaoh is a very powerful man. He's used to getting his way. He's used to not being told what to do. And when God even told him what to do, he fights back. And Moses and Aaron and the children of Israel are on the receiving end of that. We learn by the end of chapter 5 in verses 20 to 23, they, that is, the elders of Israel, the leaders of Israel, met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. Now, remember, they had believed that the Lord had met with Moses and Aaron. They had they had worship. They had said, yes, we see that these miracles. We believe you've sent us. And so, yeah, go talk to Pharaoh. Well, now they're not so sure. They said to them, the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us stink in the eyes of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses, like, you know, it's like, what did I do? I was just obeying God. And now, look, I'm caught between Israel and Pharaoh. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Says we're, we're watching this. When we go up against people with hardened hearts, when we go up against those that aren't serving the Lord and don't want to serve the Lord, and, and we're trying to serve the Lord and do the right thing, recognize that sometimes life just gets harder first and more difficult. And, and don't get discouraged. It doesn't mean you've done the wrong thing. It doesn't mean that it's not going to turn out right in the end. In Exodus 7, we read, Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. And then we read later as they see some of the uh, miracles that God had given Moses and Aaron to do, the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Pharaoh turned and went to his house and did not take even this to heart. In chapter 8, and by the way, I'm not doing all the times this shows up. I'm just doing a lot of them. In chapter 8 and verse 8, Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Plead with the Lord to take away the frogs for me, one of the plagues, and for my people. And I will let the people go sacrifice to the Lord. And so that's exactly what Moses did. And the frogs um, died and they gathered them up. But when Pharaoh saw, verse 15, that there was respite, that there was a break, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord said. He realized that one of the ways that the Lord hardens people's hearts is by getting them off the hook. You know, judgment, in his judgment, a lot of times when we do the wrong thing and, and we get a spanking from God and we go, okay, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. And, and so God says, okay, spanking's over. And we go, man, glad that's over. Now let's get back to sinning. And that's exactly what, what Pharaoh did. When he got a break, he hardened his heart. One of the ways that God hardens our heart is by releasing us from the suffering that comes from doing the wrong thing. Well, in chapter 8 and verses 18, we're told that the magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, another one of the plagues, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. 
So here you have this testimony that God is actually at work, but Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. As we continue reading the story, Pharaoh decides, okay, maybe I can compromise with God. Maybe I can find a middle ground. He tries to negotiate. He says, okay, you can go worship, but you have to stay in the land. Moses says, no, God says we have to go into the wilderness. He says, okay, you can go to the wilderness, but you can't go far away. He says, no, we have to go three days far away, Moses says. He says, okay, well, you can go worship God, but only the men. He says, no, our little ones have to go, uh, go too. And he says, okay. Uh, your little ones can go too, but not the flocks and herds. He says, no, the flocks and herds have to go because we have to sacrifice to the Lord. Now, I've just condensed a lot of back and forth, and there are different plagues that were happening in between. But, but essentially, you've got, you know, Pharaoh thinks, you know, if I can't just fight God directly, I'll, I'll kind of like maneuver and negotiate and, and try to use political gamesmanship with God. Well, that doesn't work either because God has every tool and nobody's going nobody's to fool God. Nobody's going to win against God. Well, toward the end of chapter 8, we read, The Lord did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh. Another plague that Pharaoh asked to be removed from his servants, from his people. Not one remained, but, here we go again, Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. I'm telling you, by the time I was at this point, you know, trying to like catalog all the times he hardened his heart. I was really getting tired of Pharaoh's hard heart. So you can imagine how tired Moses was with it. Chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. The next day, the Lord did this thing. In other words, he threatened that the livestock would die of a plague. All the livestock of the Egyptians died. Not one of the livestock of the people of Israel died. And Pharaoh sent, behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead. So here he's got proof that God, this plague is not a natural plague. It's falling just on the Egyptians, not on the livestock of Israel. But the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. Now, sometimes we think that people resist the Lord because they just haven't been convinced. You know, it's an intellectual problem. I, I really wonder over the years whether it's ever an intellectual problem. Because the reality is that that God tends to give ample proof of, of what he does and what he says and what he wants. And it's more about the battle of wills. It's more about whether I want God dictating what I'm going to do in my life than it is about, oh, well, I just don't believe it. A lot of times the intellectual argument is nothing but a lie. It's an excuse for the reality. You just don't want to give up control of your life. So, chapter 9 and verse 12, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Now, at this point, I want to stop just a moment, because maybe you're going like, wait a minute, wait a minute, this doesn't quite seem fair. I mean, Pharaoh hardened his heart, yeah, I get that, but the Lord hardened his heart too? I mean, right at the beginning, the Lord hardened his heart. So, how can the Lord blame Pharaoh for hardening his heart if the Lord hardened it? Did, did the Lord harden Pharaoh's heart, or did Pharaoh harden Pharaoh's heart? Yes. But here's the warning. Sometimes we think that we're the guys in control. We think, okay, you know, I'm going to hold God at a distance. I'm going to just like, you know, I'm going to play God. I'm going to go like, you know, I, I can take a, a degree of punishment from God, and, and I'm just going to play this out. I'm going to negotiate with him. And, you know, but, you know, someday, you know, when I'm old and gray, um, when I've had all my fun, I, you know, I might just give in to God. 
I, I, you know, I think I might yield to God, but I just don't want to do it right now. Do you realize when that time comes, there's a good chance you won't even want to give in to God at all? And, and there's a chance you, you won't even have a choice at that point. Because as we see this go back and forth, Pharaoh's hardening his heart, but some of the time it's God hardening Pharaoh's heart. Why was God doing that? Because God was going to show Pharaoh who he actually is. God was going to show Egypt who he actually is. God was going to show Israel who he actually is. They would know that he is the Lord. So, you know, when you're, it's, it's one thing when you're, when you're fighting against another strong human being. You know, you've got some kind of conflict. But when you're fighting against the God of the universe, in whose hand is your very life breath, you really shouldn't mess around. You, you really shouldn't play this game too long because you are, you are at a huge disadvantage. God's hammer is so much bigger than yours. Chapter 9, where am I? Okay, 912. 934 and 35. It keeps going. When Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, hail was another one of the plagues, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart, he and his servants. So he knows he's directly disobeying God and hardening his heart in a sin. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. He did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. We get to the end of the ninth plague, nine out of ten. Exodus 11 and verse 10, Moses and Aaron did all these wonders, all these miracles that would cause astonishment and amazement before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go out of the land. So we live in a world of people that do harden their heart against the Lord, and all of us have done it too. And, and if you've been rescued by God, just remember the grace he's shown to you. That, that, that he actually brought to a, you to a point where you yielded. Because there's lots of people just like you and even better than you who never did. We don't deserve the mercy of God. And yet God often shows that mercy. Hardened heart is what we see with Pharaoh. With Moses, we see courageous obedience. You know, who goes into a ball game knowing you're going to lose? Who, who goes to... Uh, try to convince somebody knowing that they're never going to change their mind. And yet that is, what, that is what Moses was called to do. Exodus 7 verses 6 and 7, Moses and Aaron did so. They did exactly what God commanded. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now, Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. God, just to think about that. Now, Moses ended up living to 120 but Moses spent the first 40 years of his life in a palace, living the good life. Moses spent the next 40 years of his life with a, a more difficult kind of life, but at least he had peace. It wasn't a bunch of conflict out in the desert. Now at 80 years old, you're hearing this, retirees, right? At 80 years old, he now is going to do one of the most difficult things, probably the most difficult thing that he's ever done in his life. That took courageous obedience. And it wasn't that he was going in like, you know what, when Pharaoh sees me, he's going to reckon, oh, that's that, that's that boy I love so much. He's going to come back. And 
no, God says, Pharaoh's not going to listen to you. He's going to harden his heart. So Moses goes into this knowing that this is going to be this huge battle of wills. In verse 20 of chapter 7, Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded. In the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, he lifted up the staff, struck the water of the Nile, and all the water in the Nile turned into blood. That was the first plague. Now, when you obey the Lord, one of the things that happens is you give other people courage to obey the Lord as well. And that's something we're going to see in the development of this in chapter 12, verses 35 to 36, and this is when they're, they're getting ready to leave Egypt, and they're going to celebrate the Passover. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, God commanded them to do this, that they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing, and the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so they let them have what they asked. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. Now, you know, this just seems crazy. Like, here they are, slaves, all these plagues are falling on Egypt. Um, Pharaoh's really mad at them, has made their life even worse, and now they're going to go ask for gold and jewelry and, and special clothes, all kinds of, of treasures. Can you imagine going to the people that are really ticked off with you and say, hey, would you give me some stuff? Like, some of your best stuff. And, and I mean, to do that, there's really a level of faith and obedience that's extraordinary that they would be willing to take that kind of risk. And lo and behold, miracle of miracles, that's exactly what the Egyptians did. And, and later, God's going to use these very things in, in order to build the tabernacle and worship in the wilderness. In chapter 12, verses 50 to 51, all the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. This is regarding the Passover. And on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. Now, there is not a one of us that won't have seasons of life where we're going through very difficult battles. We're going through things where everything we try doesn't seem to work. And the main thing that you and I need to keep in mind during those seasons is to say, God, what do you want me to do? Like, my, my family situation may not be a great family situation. I'm, I might have difficult parents. I might have difficult brothers and sisters. I might have difficult children. I might be in a difficult job. I, there's all kinds of things that may not be going according to the plan where we're, we're not sure what to do. There's one thing you need to do, and that is to seek the Lord and to be obedient to Him. It's not so much about controlling the circumstance as it is about obeying God in the circumstance. So one of the things that you and I want to be praying every day as we start each day is, God, help me listen to your voice. God, help me know how I can serve you. Help me know how I can benefit other people as I live this day. There, there's lots of days where we're dealing with stuff we would never have chosen to deal with and we don't want to have to deal with. And it's like the last thing in the world we wanted to deal with. The question we have to ask is, God, what do you want me to do? Because if you think about it, whether you're having good days or bad days, that's the only thing that matters when you belong to the Lord, and that is having trust in Him and courageously obeying Him. Well, the reason that matters is because Yahweh has infinite power. The size of His hammer is infinitely big, His sledgehammer. And He doesn't just use sledgehammers. He also uh, does things to rescue people. God's power is infinite both to destroy and to save. 
and he is glorified both ways. Exodus 6 and verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand we will send them out. With a strong hand you will drive them out of his land. That was right at the beginning. So all this conflict that Moses is going through with Pharaoh, all this resistance that Moses is seeing, God said, don't worry about that. He, he's going to let you go. He's going to let you go. Why? Because of his infinite power. In verse 5, the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, that I am Yahweh. Remember, Pharaoh started off with, I don't know who Yahweh is. I don't know who, he, I don't recognize him, and I'm not going to obey him. And God says, ah, the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out my people of Israel from among them. Verse 17 of chapter 7, thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that's in the Nile, and it shall turn to blood. So as we start going through all these plagues, what God is doing, it's not just a power struggle. It's not just a size of hammer kind of thing going on. There's, there's also, there's something more important going on. And that is that Pharaoh and the Egyptians and the Israelites and Moses and Aaron are learning who God actually is and what he's actually like. He's making himself known. And they really need to know that because he's going to lead them through the wilderness. He's going to end up leading them into the promised land. He's going to help them conquer Canaan. He's going to keep leading them all the way till Jesus Christ shows up, all the way to when he restores the heaven and the earth and, and takes away the sin and the suffering and the death, and it's all gone again. God is at work. Through all the plagues, through all the difficulties, he's using his power not just to destroy, but to save. And so we see him do water to blood. We see the frogs. We see the gnats, the flies, the livestock plague, the boils that broke out on everybody, the hail, the locusts, the darkness, and then finally the death of the firstborn. The gods of Egypt lie crumbled in the dust. Some of these are things that, that people worship. Like the livestock plague, you know, one of the big gods of Egypt was the bull. Remember the golden calf that they worship? Okay, that just came straight out of Egypt. Bull was a symbol of power and strength. Well, there they are, dead in your field. Because God is more powerful, and God is more powerful than any of the substitute gods that we might serve. In Exodus 9, God says to Pharaoh, For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. I mean, really, if God had wanted to, he could wipe out every Egyptian on the planet. He didn't choose to do that. Lots of plagues, but he didn't kill them all. For this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. You realize that even as we're looking at these passages tonight, that what God did in Egypt told the whole earth about who he was. When they went into Canaan, the, the Canaanites had heard about Egypt. And to this day, in many of the Psalms, when, they, when, when they're worshiping the Lord, they refer back to what God did in Egypt. There's a history of what God has done that points to who he is. In Exodus 10, verses 1 and 2, then the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I've done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So years later, 
children and grandchildren to be listening to their dad say, you know what? Or the granddad saying, you know what? I saw God take down Pharaoh. I saw God free us from Egypt. God is powerful. The God we worship is all powerful. Verse 7, then Pharaoh's servant said to him, how long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? I mean, the people around Pharaoh, they're getting it. Even though Pharaoh will not. In Exodus 12, verses 12 through 13, God says, I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. This is the last plague. I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. On all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you. That's the blood of the unblemished lamb that they were to put on the lentils and the doorposts, on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. God's power is infinite, both to destroy and to save. I mean, even tonight, we've heard testimony how God takes those that seemingly have no hope and God rescues them. And by the way, those who had no hope, every single one of us, because we're all sinners by birth and by choice. There are plenty of people that go to hell from a pew. There are plenty of people that thought they were good enough. They just kept fighting God. They didn't yield to him. But God shows his power, not just in bringing judgment on people. God shows his power in saving them as well. And so in the story, the second part of the Moses series, we see Pharaoh with his hardened heart. We see Moses and Aaron, courageous obedience. We see Yahweh with infinite power. Just this morning, one of our Sunday school classes, we were looking at Psalm 91. And it's, it's traditional that, that Moses wrote that along with Psalm 90. And, and you can hear in his words uh, reflected his experience with this battle of wills with Pharaoh and the plagues. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, the Most High is a, the highest God there is, more powerful than any other God, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God and my trust. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. All those plagues poured out on Egypt didn't destroy Israel. God used it to save Israel. We serve an almighty God. He's worthy of our courageous obedience, no matter what kind of hardness of heart that we face. Now, kids, grown-ups, you'll have lots of people that don't want to serve God, and they're very resistant to them. Don't, don't let that intimidate you. You just do what God wants you to do with courageous obedience and see his power to save as well as his power to destroy. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word and thank you for these, my brothers and sisters. I, I thank you for the kids that are here tonight and I pray, God, that you would give them a life in a lot of ways like Moses' life, where they get to see your power. And Lord, I pray you, you'd, you'd move in their hearts in a way that where they don't harden their hearts against you, but instead they obey you with great courage because they know you have infinite power. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.